Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Game Store Profits, the podcast where a couple of guys get together to talk about geek culture as well as god culture. Uh, my name is Mike Perna, and sadly, we are still dealing with the fact that my normal co-host, Luke Navarro, is dealing with epic computer failure. At last episode, uh, we kind of reported that Luke said that he was having hard drive problems. It has since been upgraded to the fact that he co- he texted me a while back and said that his motherboard was fried, and that's not the kind of thing that you can replace easily. So... Luke kind of gave gave me the podcast, he gave me the, the wheel and said drive, and so thankfully I know a lot of geeky people. And so it wasn't hard for me to get, get somebody up, because we are now here on episode 31, it is still a little insane that we've been that long. Uh, but I would like to introduce my co-host for this evening, Brett Anderson. Nice to meet you, nice to meet you. So... Yeah, I met I met Brett when he was just a wee youngster in a youth group that kind of works with with my church. Oh yeah, that was that was a long time ago. It it was ridiculous. I was just recounting the other day that I've been with the church now for four years, and that's kind of scary. But the the first time I the first time I met you was probably at Halloween dodgeball. There's a good chance of that. We've had a lot of fun with that that outing. Uh, we pretty much every year get a couple youth groups together. And dress up in costume and go and go play dodgeball, which you've never you've never lived until you're standing next to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man as you're dressed in a Santa Claus outfit and you're getting pegged by junior high kids with dodgeballs. It really is an experience that everyone should have at one point in their life. Oh, definitely. Or at least watching, you know, some senior high guy dress up as the nurse joker. That's something you have to witness at least once. I, you know, that was, it was, we, we're, I'm going to have to try and find, I think I took a picture or two of you in your... There's there's a video on YouTube. There's a video on YouTube. So I'm definitely going to have to find that and, and link that up so that people can experience the, the true... I may or may not be embarrassed of it. <laughs> if you're going to be embarrassed about it, that's even more reason why I'm going to find the link to this. Because <laughs> because we we need to put this kind of stuff up there for our podcast listeners. I mean, heck, they already have an opportunity to see us on Facebook. We might as well, you know, just go all out and just show everything. Um, but Brett, I, I kind of asked Brett to come on here for a couple of different reasons. One is because uh, he's one of our oldest listeners. I said, hey, dude, I'm doing this podcast about geeks and God, and he immediately signed up and was telling me how awesome we were. So I kind of like the idea of surrounding myself with people who think I'm awesome. <laughs> uh, but the other reason is is that the other reason was that immediately after I started you know talking to him about that, he kind of related to me something. Brett, tell the people about your relationship with a little thing called Warhammer. Okay, um, well, it's been a, I think it's almost been a full decade, but nonetheless, um, for the past, for the past couple years, I've been painting Warhammer 40k, and just recently got into Warhammer Fantasy, but... Well, here, before, to enlighten people who might not know, because I I know of Warhammer 40k, I've never played it, other than the computer games, but we're not talking about the computer games, we're talking about the tabletop. The, The computer games were based off of a small miniature board game. Where literally, you take thousands of little tiny plastic pieces, put them into, you know, mold them with glue into little hundreds of thousands of plastic miniatures, then paint them. Then you roll dice. That's when you get to roll the dice. After you spent (laughs) hours upon hours of painting them. Upon days upon days. (laughs) So, that's, that's my crux. That's my, you know... That's how I like to spend my time as a college so, student. So for those people out there who might be listening who actually do play Warhammer of some one of the ilk of Warhammer, uh, tell the people, who, who do you like to play with? Um, well, currently I am waiting for the Chaos Space Marine Codex to come out. Um, I read a rumor blog almost five times a day just waiting for them to say, okay, we actually have proof this time. It's not just a, it's not just wish listing. So I'm waiting for that. I currently play Dark Eldar, so they're pretty much coked up space pirates that are elves at the same time, if that's even really a thing. Uh, that sounds like some like fantasy fanboy's dream right there. Yeah, coked up space pirates that are elves. Um, what else? At some well, point or another, I played something else. Okay, well, uh, 
I'm, I'm kind of curious because, like, I've, I've said it before. I, I'm fascinated by the concept of Warhammer. I love the stories in the Warhammer universe. Uh, I have always said that if I ever got together the minis, I would love to play the orcs and bring the wah. Yeah, there's, that, um, they're the most orc players are the most characterful players because they either they rarely take themselves seriously. Usually, they're they're just there to have fun. That's why I enjoy playing them. Well, literally, they're a bunch of guys who look like they're pieced together out of a junkyard. But they're, see, that's the cool know. thing about the universe is technically all the trucks and wagons and all the things they make shouldn't work. Right. Because orcs are the most psychically strong beings, and and some someone. Who is actually going to call me out on this. They're supposedly the strongest psychic powers, where literally they just bang a whole bunch of things together, think it's going to work, and it does. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I love I love the fact that they're... I love hearing, I mean, them talk, especially. Uh, because, my, again, my primary Warhammer interaction is over the video game. So he, hearing the orcs talk... And, like, everything is, is all about the wah. And when I'm talking about the wah, I'm talking about, about war spelled with about 15 A's. Yeah, uh-huh. And instead of ending with R, it ends with G-H. <laughs> and, and the whole idea about orc pride is that they bring the wah, which basically means we're going to just run in and destroy you in the most epically way possible. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just, like, we're not fighting right now. We actually are losing. <laughs> That's we, orc mentality. We, we, should, we should be fighting right now, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm bored. Why? I'm not bleeding. <laughs> so, like, I've, I've been fascinated with those guys, but, uh, again, you know, it's it's got to be intimidating to look at the upfront cost of buying these miniatures, because... It is very intimidating. So what what was it about this game that, you know, in spite of the fact that you're looking at, you're looking down the barrel... Of empty wallets. Oh, you're literally looking down the empty, like, the empty barrel. Not really the empty barrel, it's a loaded barrel of give us your money. <laughs> you're being held up by the game store, guys. Yes, you are. Um, no, but when I first started playing, I played the uh, Lord of the Rings strategy battle game, which I was a Lord of the Rings junkie at that point. So that was already, like, they had me by my foot or my ankle at that point. And... The Lord of the Rings models are actually slightly cheaper. They still kind of get you at, I'm paying how much for plastic? Right. But, you know, it was it was also a smaller game, so all you needed was, like, two or three boxes, and you're good to go. Like, you're set. So you're like, okay, this is almost like a regular board game. So you play and everything, it's like, it gets you into the hobby, and it's like, okay, this is great. Now I want to go into the future where there's guns and literally, like, tanks the size of cathedrals. It's like, yeah. I've wet my whistle, now I want to swim in the pool. There's something truly inspiring about the Empire units, as long as you're on their side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As long as you're not, you know, on the angry side of the Inquisitors, you should be fine. Mm, yeah. Oh, even still. I mean, there are some pretty freaky things that happen in the Inquisition. Like, oh, you know about us, we have to kill you. Yeah. And your entire I planet. I would, I would highly encourage anybody who has any kind of love for fantasy or science fiction, because there's Warhammer in both, uh, but I, I love reading the books of, of, the, of Warhammer 40k, because I'm not a huge sci-fi guy, like it's not my, my go-to genre. So the fact that I'm dealing with orcs and, and Eldar, and I don't care if you call them Eldar, they're still elves. Yeah, they are. They are. They're space elves. And, you know, I, I, when you give me that and then put them in space with giant robots, I'm, I'm going to call that a win. Yep. Yeah, it, it always is. And so, they just, there's so many levels. And the fact that they have, I think, a lot of their writers are, like, just top-notch. And then there's always, like, the ones that people just love to not like. I, I, I believe you know what 4chan is, right? Uh, yeah, sadly, I do know what 4chan is and try to avoid it. And, you know, normally I try to avoid it as well, because 4chan can be the darkest place on the internet regularly. And if you don't know, like, this is for anybody listening, if you don't, do not know what 40k is, Google search 4chan 40k, and it can enlighten you very quickly on all the fluff, all the other stuff that you don't really need to know to play the game, and can actually help you pick an army, too. 
and it does so very humorously as well. I always I always support humor when selecting gaming stuff. But I just I would read the entire thing and my friend James who I play with, he spent probably close to the better half of 5 years reading all this stuff and I spent the better half of 5 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten all the information I need. Yep. So, it was good. It was good. No, see, if I ever got into Warhammer, that would be me. I would be that guy who, like, goes through the bookstore, buys all this stuff, uh-huh. uh, all this story and all that stuff, and then come to the the game and be like, I have to roll what now? <laughs> oh, wait, you're telling me this story doesn't affect the game at all? Nope. So, uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> but don't they, don't these units get this? No, what gave you that idea? This 400-page story. <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, I'm as uh, employee of a game store. I recently found out I have to play more than one game. So true. You do kind of have to to get involved in a number of things because people are going to come up to you and ask you questions. Yeah, my manager told me it's like there there are going to be people coming in and say I don't play 40k, and you know some people's jaws are going to drop. <laughs> then you're going to have to realize oh I have to play a game with them. Huh. So I picked up the Fantasy Warhammer, which is surprisingly a completely different game. It's pretty much, we're going to charge you the same amount for models, just you're going to end up putting them all in regiments. So it's like you really have five models. Huh. But I play I play the Skaven, which are pretty much rat men. Rat people. Rat people who are ingenious. They are ingenious if nothing else. But at the same time, it's it's the same thing where, oh, this explodes? Let me put it in a barrel and aim it at the enemy. Yeah, it's it's I love it. It's awesome. I, I I did I did forget about this up until you mentioned the Skaven. There is another way in which I interact with the 40k world. And that is a little game which again also started out on the table but then moved into a computer game, a little game called Blood Bowl. Oh, yes. I have the video game for that. Blood Bowl. Oh, oh do you is it do you have it on computer because if you do, we are so No, I have it on Xbox. Uh, okay, because if you had it on your computer after the after we're done recording this, we were gonna play a game. Oh, shame. Um, but uh, I mean, Blood Bowl is basically you take these guys again. We're talking about a game who, on one hand, does take itself seriously and there's epic storyline and all this cool stuff, but at the same, same time, point, <laughs> does not take itself seriously at all. Nope. Because Blood Bowl, Blood Bowl basically takes the fantasy races of warhammer and then says we're all just gonna play football yep <laughs> but not real football forget war let's play football we're gonna play football where not everybody is guaranteed to survive this game of football in fact some of you will die <laughs> we're saying that right now <laughs> in fact the goblin lined up on the other side of the ball has a chainsaw and we're not exactly sure what he plans to do with it <laughs> The dwarves have war machines. It's actually, yes. they actually do. <laughs> so I, I will highly recommend, uh, I think you can get it on Steam now for like $14. I would highly recommend getting Blood Bowl. It is a ton of fun. Especially if you, you know, do like an NFL fantasy draft with a couple of your friends and then just play it out. It's it's a good fun. Oh, it, it, it really is. I mean, it. I've played, right now I think I'm playing with, uh, I forget what they're called specifically, but it's kind of like horror movie team. It's all like werewolves and mummies and those guys. Ah, so it's probably so, some kind of chaos or. So I I literally have like werewolves that are running down the field with the ball, and it's it's a ton of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I cause see, I played the Skaven in Blood Bowl when I had bought it, and mm -hmm. you know my thrower was awesome. You could throw it and everything, but Skaven can't catch can't anything. Catch. So I was sitting there going, why, 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 why the heck do I even have a thrower? Yeah. So I was like, I, I removed him from the roster. Now I just have runners. But the thing is, with Blood Bowl, what happens is you can be on the end zone line, trip, kill yourself, like completely rupture your rib cage, and fumble the ball. I've, I've done that. Yeah. And so that's happened to me almost twice. And I've lost really good runners from that. I just I think the my best experience with that game, and I, I think from what I've heard, they do this on the tabletop game as well, where if you're playing either the goblins or the orcs, I want to say, they have, uh, their, their big guy is an ogre or a troll or something like that. Their little guy is a goblin. 
if the goblin has the ball, uh-huh. the goblin can then run up to the ogre, and the ogre can throw the goblin who has the ball. Yep. <laughs> and see, that stuff just makes me giggle, and I want to experience that all the time. Yeah, yeah, games like that that are serious, but no, not really. <laughs> yeah. See, that that's why I love, I love role-playing games, too. And, you know, I, I won't shut up about the glory of, of the, the tabletop role-playing game. But I love that idea of you're, you're serious enough, you want to see character development, you want to see stuff going. But at the same point, every once in a while, somebody does something so ridiculous that you spend 15 minutes just laughing. Yeah, like the, uh, what was it, the railgun that I, I sent to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got to explain that to the listeners. That's got to be... My, my D&D forte is not the best, but I had come across a D&D railgun set in medieval time period. So, of course, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, a railgun in medieval times, this has got to be good. So pretty much what happens is you put a thousand peasants in a line, put them all in ready action, and then you have one take a ten-foot pole from a ladder and throw it to the next one. Next one catches it, throws it, next one catches it, throws it, so forth and so on. All the way down the line, all the, all the meantime, you know, it gains much more, much more momentum from the previous one. And pretty much by the end of it, the last one is hurling a 10-foot pole at, like, what, Mach 1? At whatever the target is. And it's like, your GM has to be either asleep or unconscious to let that go. <laughs> well, I have often told my players that, now granted, if you go too far, I'm going to be like, okay, no, I'm not going to let you do that. Like, if you try to tell me I'm going to line up all the peasants to do a railgun, I'll be like, no. <laughs> but at the same point, I've often told my players, I go, if you come up with something so cool that I really want to see it happen, I might not make you roll dice. I might just let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something... Uh, I, was, I was listening to a podcast where they were uh, interviewing Tr uh, Tracy Hickman, the guy who is... He basically wrote my childhood because he's he's half of the duo that gave us the Dragonlance books. Well, he was talking about his gaming stuff, and he says that he has he follows something called the rule of cool, where if somebody describes something that is so cool, you just let them do it. <laughs> uh, I, I do kind of want to switch gears here because we're all about the idea that geek is not necessarily what we've been talking about. It's not necessarily computer games and tabletop games and and science and you know big bang theory all geeks don't look like the guys from big bang theory great show it is a great show and i'm i i could spend another i could spend the rest of this episode talking about how ridiculous it is that geeks are up in arms because we, we don't all look like that and i just want to respond with of course we don't it's a television show but <laughs> But at the same point, I, we're all about, here, here at Game Store Products, we want to perpetuate the idea that geek is not just this narrow field of stuff. That everybody has the potential to be a geek in their chosen field. Like, you could, uh, right now, everyone's doing fantasy football. I'm sorry, everybody is a geek that does fantasy football. Because you are poring over facts and figures and injury reports every day. Mm-hmm. Um... So I there's something else that that you kind of you kind of throw up there on Facebook that anybody who could see your uh, what is it called the news feed or whatever it is sees the same kind of stuff happening over and over again. Yeah, and to be honest, it bugs me that it, they can actually see that on that group. But frisbee is my thing. Like I the old ultimate frisbee. Yeah, ultimate frisbee is like my thing. I love it. But you know, it's, it actually is kind of weird that people can see that in that group. But anyway. Ultimate Frisbee, like, yeah, I get, I get, I'll get comments from family members just like, oh, so how was practice? Wait, what? You could see that? <laughs> Facebook is getting so creepy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, um, yeah, like the other day, like I was telling you before, I spent close to $240 on cleats because they were just so freaking cool. And, <laughs> like, love, you know, in, in most things... There's going to be somebody who's like, that's not a good reason to buy something. That's an exorbitant amount of money. Me, I'm like, well, yeah, that just makes sense. Yeah. Well, because, like, I could, if someone told me that was too much, I'd be like, you're right. It probably was. But they were just so freaking cool. Well, I see, I 
I'm I'm with you one in the fact that I have if I started labeling the amount of stuff I've spent large amounts of money on, uh, we'd be here all day, and you and you'd probably look at the stuff that I spend money on. And you're like, why did why did you do that? Um, I play 40k. I, it's all right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and but the other kind of thing is is that I kind of grew up with this mentality. My my dad has been a gadget guy before there was a term gadget guy. And so the running joke with my brothers and I is, is that dad will always look for the better one. And the, the way we kind of termed this was at one time they went to Home Depot. They just needed a chalk line to do some repairs around the house. <laughs> well, you can get like a $4 chalk line. But then again, but then my, <laughs> my brother found this chalk line that had like a laser sight on it. <laughs> and this is when my dad actually uttered the phrase, ooh, is that a better one? <laughs> my, my father has like a 72-inch television, but then he saw an advertisement for a 92-inch television that looked at my mom. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, I have been brought up in the environment that says getting something because it's really cool can be a valid argument. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, that's really all it was. Um, the, <laughs> the only thing, the only thing though, is I'm slightly perturbed that they weren't purple. Oh, uh, see, they. I was looking for like a manly fuchsia, if that's even a thing. <laughs> a manly fuchsia? I think I swear to you, because because Luke always tries to find like the most obscure ridiculousness for our titles. I think a manly fuchsia is gonna be the title <laughs> of episode thirty-one. But yeah, but like, that's the thing. I've I've wanted fuchsia cleats, and that that's the other thing that bugs me. When I'm looking for cleats, the girls' cleats, the women's cleats are always the best ones. I, it's, I have no words for it. I'll always go. That's the cleat I want. That are pretty. Yeah, I want cleats that are so obnoxiously vibrant and bright that people actually. It's like it's like the Lamborghini driver who wants to turn heads, except I want to do that with my feet. With your feet. Yeah, <laughs> when I'm running on a field, I guess. I just want bright, obnoxious, vibrant cleats. There you go. And literally every cleat that is in a woman's size is like that. Except I would have obnoxiously large, big feet. Hmm. That is an odd combination of things. Yeah, so I... I had to settle for, like, jet black with an orange Nike swish. So, other than the fact that you've spent a ridiculous amount of money on things that you don't really need, which... In and of itself is geek is in and of itself is geek qualifying material. What makes you a ultimate frisbee geek? Ultimate frisbee geek, I guess it would be the time that I spend on it. Um, because like we'll we'll go down to tournaments and everything, like week long tournaments, and then just it's the culture. Like the time that I spend and then the culture that I'm a part of. Because like if you go up to Let's, let's say that we're both in a room and we, we can recognize someone's a geek. Like, you know what I'm talking about? They have oh, almost yeah. like an aura about them. It's like, dude, that guy's a geek. Geeks know their own. Yeah, geeks know their own. Frisbee players know their own. Like, it's funny because, you know, me and a couple of the other veterans will be at practice and we know exactly when someone does or does not know how to throw a Frisbee before one's even in their hand. Okay, I got to ask, what... What tips you can't make a statement like that and not back that up. I'm really curious as to what defines because I can't throw a frisbee worth anything. Uh huh. Ha more than half of it is how they dress for practice. Okay. What? <laughs> now you're really getting my my interest. <laughs> how does one's attire show you that they can throw a frisbee? So much like much like I said, you know the flashy cleats and everything. That, that's that's what a lot of it has to do like if you show up to practice and you're wearing like a bright orange jersey and then like hunter green shorts and then your cleats aren't matching at all either it's like okay this guy probably knows how to play frisbee either that or he's you know colorblind <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where literally it's it's about the attire says a lot and at the same time if it's kind of i don't want to i do not want to say the word swagger <laughs> please don't <laughs> It's, it's how they carry themselves, like, right before practice. If they're just kind of like, if they don't show an effort to kind of get up and play, then they don't. Because Frisbee players, like, it is literally probably the most friendly sporting community ever. Because... Well, yeah, I mean, it's basically a sport that's coming off of a hobby that 
you know, kind of, it's just a fun thing to do on the quad in college when there's nothing going on between classes. Well, yeah, that and even in the most, the highest competitive play, there's no referees. You call your own fouls. Right. So up until recently when they introduced the ultimate, like the, um, the professional league in the U.S., did they start using referees? There's a professional ultimate frisbee league, like just like national, just like uh, the National Football League. Wow! Now there's actual teams, and it's really cool. I'm geeking out because yes, frisbee's getting somewhere. I can watch it on TV. <laughs> that, that's where there's the other geekiness is because like I have a team I can have a jersey for, besides my own. <laughs> uh, and, and if and if there was any doubt that you can be an ultimate frisbee geek, if you show up with an ultimate frisbee jersey and somebody asks, "Oh, what team is that?" And you big say old grin, game. big old grin. Yep. And and somebody's like, "What sport is that?" <laughs> and then a big, and then even even bigger grin. Just like, dude, you wish you knew. <laughs> yeah. It's like the hipsters of the sporting world. But like like I was saying with the uh, the culture thing is because like after a game, especially when we go to tournaments, it's like there isn't that animosity. Like um, unless there's a couple rivalries, there's some pretty big rivals rivalries between schools. But it's almost like it's left on the field. Right. And, you know, coaches always say, okay, leave the game on the field. That doesn't happen. No. It doesn't happen. Not ever. Not ever. But, like, when we go to tournaments, we'll play the games. And then, like, after the games, we'll just be like, okay, dude, where are we partying at? Like, where are we hanging out? Like, we'll go up to the other teams, make friends. And it's almost like this just, it's a community. It's not really, uh, dude, you beat me on that point. I hate you. See, I've... I've really discovered that there's two types of of geek response to other people. There's the geek who says, I'm better than you. Yeah. And we kind of already did an episode on how to identify the the fact that not all of us are cool. Like, not all geeks are cool, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's fair. But there's the the kind of geek that we put out there and the kind that we hope that more people put out there is the idea that geeks are all about community. That's why you have things like comic book conventions sprouting up everywhere. Literally everywhere. (laughs) Because all people want to do is celebrate the coolness and dress up in costume and do all that stuff. And so there's whole groups of people doing this all over over the world at this point. I was just watching Trekkies 2 the other night, which is a fun little documentary. (laughs) They went to Star Trek conventions literally all over the world. Wow. And so you realize that, you know, when you get it, when you get geeks together, they like to sit around and talk about the stuff that they like because that's just who they are. Yeah, cuz it's that commonality thing. Oh, you you get me talking Dungeons and Dragons with a bunch of nerds and I will be the happiest kid on the block because that that's my thing. And so I think that everybody's got their thing and maybe your thing is like ultimate frisbee. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's completely fair. So I do kind of want to double back to something because you, you, you kind of hinted at it. And there's the, the other part of the reason why I, I got you in here, other than the fact that you're a complete geek like the rest of us. Definitely. Is the fact that you actually work at a friendly local gaming store. I do. I do. I'm they glad. They do actually still exist. We're, we're endangered and being hunted, but yes, we, we exist. So, first of all, I totally want you to plug this because while not all of our listeners are local, some of them might be. And so I definitely want you to plug away because I want everybody who's within driving distance of this store to go to it. If you're anywhere near Maplewood, Milburn, Madison, that general area. Of New um, Jersey, by the way. Of New Jersey, yeah. Um, It's 1970 Springfield Ave in Maplewood. Um, What's the name of it? 1970, uh, Maplewood Hobby, yeah. But it's, it's one of those, because there's like this, it's like an unholy trinity of ho- hobby stores that we're kind of a part of. There's, um, there's another one that's great. It's, what is it called? Mighty Titan. And then there's this other Joe Schmo down, down the county. And I can't even remember his name. But anyway, we, we don't really have any problem with this one, but we're essentially the unloved younger, younger sibling of this unholy trinity. Okay. Because we're not really too concerned about moving product that quickly 
It's more of a those you know those smoky old taverns and movies where people are where just hanging where out. There's like three old guys sitting at the bar. Yeah, just you know, just hanging out, and then it's really just an environment and not really a business. You're basically looking at the cheers of game stores. Exactly. That is that is so accurate. It almost hurts. <laughs> Um, because that's, it's funny because that's, that's why we're the unloved game store because we get mocked for not moving product like them, but people like our store better. Well, I mean, I, I'm just so happy to know that there are gaming stores out there because there's so many times when Luke and I, like we've been talking about tabletop games and card games and board games. And every time I get talking about these, somebody's like, well, where do you get these games? And I would love to be able to point to a store and say, I go here, talk to so-and-so, he knows everything. But see, that's the thing. My manager, and like I said, Maplewood Hobby, 1970 Springfield Ave, Maplewood, New Jersey. He's literally so much of a board game addict. Uh, the owner had brought in some board games from a garage sale, and he was sitting there pouring over them for about an hour saying, this is so cool. It's so he's trying to figure out the worth of them by, you know, whether the corner was tattered or whether, you know, the original instructions were still there. So suffice to say, we have more than enough board games that have already been mentioned on this show. See, that that is so great because so many times, like, I am relegated to go online. Like, I love online stuff. I love going to websites like funagain.com, which uh, they have a lot of selection and stuff. I, I give them a lot of business. Uh, but at the same point, I'm I'm a big kind of how do I say this? An advocate of of actually going to these stores. We've had to, I've had conversations with other listeners here at, at Game Store Profits where I'm just like, do you have a store? Because if you do, that's where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And so, like, tell me some of the experiences you get of you know you've already kind of hinted at the fact that you know you're kind of the go to 40k guy. But what are some of the other experiences you get like working in a place like oh, this? Oh, it's to be honest, this is probably the best place to get paid minimum wage. To be honest, um, because <laughs> if you have to get paid minimum. Yeah, wage, it's it's a little bit here. above minimum wage, but I'll be honest, it's not that much higher. Because I, I get I get to sit down and not really do much. Whenever someone calls, everyone screams door. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is like, for some reason, hobby is so broad. People think that, you know, as a small store, we include everything, which is fair. You know, whoever put up the sign probably wasn't thinking that hard. You know, it's it's a broad subject. And the other thing is we just, we don't carry anything revolving or involving RC cars at all, except maybe the occasional RC paint, but that's not really specific to RC. Right. So... We'll have kids come in asking for specific RC parts, and it's like, no, we don't. We just don't have RC cars. And so it's gotten to the point where whenever someone, you know, either calls or comes in saying, hey, do you guys sell RC cars? We'll point over to the wall where all the 40K stuff is and say, no, but we have corn berserkers. Nice. (laughs) See, I don't even know 40K that well, and I even know who that is. Yep, it's, oh, it's the, like, it's the little jokes that you get at a small local gaming store, especially since you work there, that it's it's what suffices the experience. Like it, it's what makes the experience much more worth it. It's just the just sitting there talking with the guys and getting paid to do it. So I mean that's that's kind of my point. The whole idea about the gaming stores is the fact that there's got to be somebody there. Even if they haven't necessarily played the game that you're looking for, they've probably played something. Oh, that's the thing. There's um, there's a guy at our shop. His name is Brain, because his actual name is Brian. Okay. And, you know, just everyone gets some kind of nickname at some point in time. But, and that's what makes it even more of a community kind of club thing. But uh, he literally knows almost every game we sell in that in that store um because up until recently he had gotten a hundred dollar a week kind of i guess stipend or just um he was allowed to spend a hundred bucks every week and so he just he'd buy the occasional game almost every week and just he'd learn it 
Wow. And especially role-playing games. He'll sit down, memorize all the rules, then play. I I want to be at a place in my life where someone pays me $100 a week, provided that that $100 is just be, to be able to spend on games. He, he, but that was the thing. Is Unfortunately, it got to the point where he left all the stuff there, and we had to clean it out, and then he got that removed. So that's the only unfortunate bit. But the other thing is, like, he knows literally every game, I think, that we've ever had to bring up saying, hey, let's play this game. Oh, yeah, that game, it's okay. <laughs> I've played that one. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, or, or it's even better yet, the, oh, I, I know all the rules, but I've never played it. That's, wow. That's the even better part. That blows my mind. Yeah, that's... So we have, like, literally all kinds of characters. That's That's the better thing is when you go into play at a local game store instead of you know meeting with some friends and playing is there are so many characters at a at a local hobby store that just it makes it worth it <laughs> i just have this image of, of you guys like creating some kind of horrible geek reality show about the stuff that goes on in your game store no i would say no um as as hilarious as it probably would be i would venture a guess to say it would be a bad idea for the general public. It would turn quite a few people off to the hobby. Um, it would make people scared. <laughs> Do I even want to know? Oh, cause like there, we like the the most precious commodity. The most precious commodity in the store is not you know money. It's not the snacks in the vending machine. It's the stools. Okay. And you know. Most of the time, it's because they're taken. They're just taken. So you have right. to either stand and play. And it's the, like, you'll hear a crack coming from some room in the store. And just like, not again. No. <laughs> Please tell me it's not my favorite stool. <laughs> and it's the other thing where it's like, they're just sometimes, especially late at night. You know, after 12, you're not the most coherent human you've ever been. Oh yeah, and I'm and I'm sure that uh, sarcasm is ripe. With with a lack of of you know consciousness, there's also a lack of a filter. Yep, and so sarcasm is ripe. Oh ripe. yeah. And so you'll get the occasion. You know, like we'll we'll be in the middle of it and just going at each other, and then someone's mom. This actually happened to James. His dad walked in, and <laughs> everyone goes quiet except for one person. So you know the parent hears all of it, and it's just like oh yeah. How you doing, sir? Can I help you with anything? <laughs> <laughs> that moment of, oh, I shouldn't have said that. It would, it, like you said, it'd be a funny show. It'd be really funny, except it would probably be on Adult Swim or some other affiliate. Right. That, that place where, you know, if you're under the age of whatever, you shouldn't be watching this. Yeah, so not to turn anybody off from a game store, but... Well, it's fair to know what you're getting into. There's always going to be that guy, but the the overall benefit definitely trumps the experiences of that yeah, guy. It's, it's fair to know that if you're in a if you're in a hobby store at one a.m., <laughs> you're going to be a lot of that guy. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of those guys. I I still remember the first time I walked into one game store. The game store it's clo it's long closed now, so I can talk about them. Uh, they called their, the name of the store was the gamekeeper. And this guy was telling this woman who was in there to try and just find a cool game for her son, had no idea what she was doing in there. Just look, looking for advice. This guy was, you know, throwing out this, that, and the other thing. And she's like, well, my son wants this. And the guy's like, no, we don't have that. It doesn't come out yet. And she's like, are you sure? And he literally turned to her, like, put his glasses on the end of his nose and said, we're the gamekeeper. We should know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to walk away now. <laughs> but I, I kind of wanted to, to talk about this game store, not only because we love to plug game stores and support them. And, you know, I would, you know, totally want to just send people to this store. And I, you know, I'm still hoping to get there myself soon. Uh, the other kind of reason I do this is because I keep getting the idea of the local game store and, and I kind of put that in a similar vein to yeah, here. Let's let's I'll, I'll do it this way. I'll set myself up this way. 
it's kind of like SAT analogy time. Okay. The local, the friendly local gaming store is to a gamer like the local church should be to a Christian. Does that, does that seem like a fair analogy to you? Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair. Because for me, I always picture, and and I'm going to use the acronym now because I don't like saying friendly local gaming store every time. FLGS. So, yes, the FLGS. I Every time I think of the FLGS, I always think of just a bunch of guys who are really passionate about games who, like, are, there's a back room where there's a tournament going on, probably of, like, Magic or 40K or Battletech or something like that. Or, you know, there's there's a bunch of guys that are just hanging out, just talking about games. Like, I imagine there's a bunch of guys who are just sitting there comparing miniatures and all that. And they're, they're just experiencing what they love together. Exactly. And, and it's just a... It's a place that that can happen. Like it's more, it's more than just the acquisition of the games. Because like I can go, I can go online and get the game. Heck, anymore you could probably find a computer game version of a lot of these games. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the human interaction between people. Right. It's the I know that if I go there, I will find more people who like stuff that I like. Yep. You know, and so I just, I, I can't separate that from the way I look at church because now I came from a long line of people who said a church is more than a building. Church is about the people. It's not the building. And I, I totally buy that. Don't let my, you know, stupid voice, you know, belie the fact that I really do buy that. I'm all about, you know, big C church. It's, you know, it's more than just the building. At the same point, I love the idea of seeing church as a place that people can say, that where Christians can say, I know if I go there, I'm going to find people who are going to you know, love and support me because they like Jesus. And I love the fact that, you know, there should, there should be the idea of church where people who don't believe in God should be able to walk in and be like, you know, if I go there. I'm kind of dealing with all sorts of crap right now. And if I go there, I should be able to find somebody who's who's going to, at the bare minimum, listen to what I'm doing. Exactly. A place where someone can just come in and be like, what's this about? And then you're going to get someone who is passionately going to explain exactly word for word what happens and be able to relate it to them. I know exactly what you mean. So, I mean... Have you kind of had any kind of experience? I, I, I want to get your opinion on this, mostly because of the fact that, for me, it's all hypothetical and and I'm st- standing from the outside making observations. But, like, you're kind of living this. I mean, you're, you're really active in your church. To a degree, yeah. That's a fair point. And, and you're, you're active at this place. I mean, anybody who stays at a game store till 1 o'clock in the morning playing games, you're active in that community. <laughs> That's fair. So, I mean, what are some ways that, that you've kind of seen that, because you're, you're kind of agreeing with me, but I kind of want you to flesh that out a little bit and kind of talk to me about some of the ways that you've kind of seen similarities, if, if not necessarily one-to-one correlation, some kind, something similar. Oh, I mean, I can understand because I've been going there for probably, not as an employee, but I've been going there for close to six or seven years. And you you recognize a core of people, people that are there. If not every weekend, they're, they're, you're going to see them next weekend if they can make it. And as a member of my, actually, surprisingly enough, I'm not a member of my church, but I'm on the missionary committee. I, I help with the youth group. Um, and you're I, only not a member on paper dude. yeah that, that's the funny thing is like I'll turn to people and be like dude I'm not a member they'll be like what <laughs> but anyway uh, I do recognize similarities in that where there's there's the core of the church I guess where there's the people who are always active who are always going to be there who are always going to do something and then much like in the, uh, the FLGS the friendly local gaming store there's the people who are always going to be there they're always going to be like they're always going to 
help you explain a game to a customer if you happen to be busy, even if they're not an employee. Um, there's going to be the people who are the floaters, who are you know just kind of there. You never even get to know their name, and they're gone the next week. And it's just like, oh, well, see you, dude. And there's people like that in the church who just kind of sit in the back pew, don't really make a stink about anything, and just sit there and don't do anything, don't say hey to anybody, don't make themselves known, don't even try to reach out to anybody. And I'm not saying that's a, that that's their fault. I'm just saying there's a similarity between that. Um, yeah, so that's th- those are a lot of the similarities that I see between the two. So, like, just like, I mean, you, you kind of hinted at the fact that your store is not super motivated to necessarily sell everything to people. But at the same point, you're not, like, the you're 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 not avoiding people with it. You're you're at the same you're pa- the games that you're passionate about. Like if somebody come up and says, "So what's the deal with 40k anyway?" You're gonna want to walk up to them and talk to them about you know this is this army and this is this and this is how you play and. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Like if I see it, we have a whole wall that just has 40k stuff all over it. So if I see some kid who I don't recognize, or even if I do recognize as one of the kids who comes and plays on Friday nights. If I see him looking at the wall, I say, okay, what are you looking at? Like, have you ever played before? If I don't recognize him. And, you know, just kind of just help him through it. Because to a certain extent, if you just see a whole bunch of boxes and you don't even, don't even know what box means what, you're just like, uh, and then you grab one and look at the price, just like, uh, not for me. Because <laughs> you're sitting there thinking, you're looking at all the boxes, and the cheapest one is like $25. You're sitting there going, uh, no. So... Yeah, right. I and I I think I think there's a lot that can be said for that. It's that if if you get somebody who just walks in the store and they don't make that human connection, they they don't make that that I need somebody to help me here, I, and they're just there to experience the store, what it has, and leave. There's a good chance that what that store has to offer, what those people are about. All the fun that might be happening in some back room somewhere, all of the the cool stuff that happens around a gaming table, that guy's not going to get. That guy who walks in off the street isn't going to get. Unless somebody walks up like you and say, oh, you know, 40K, you know, I usually play these guys because they do this and everything like that. Like, what sort of game do you want to play and all that stuff? At the same point, I think we've long since left the era where we expect people to just show up to church at all, pretty much. <laughs> like, it's... At least in Jersey. In Texas, we did, you know, every once in a while had somebody just wandering off the street saying, you know, I, you know, I, you know, living here in Jersey, and I'm sure there are other cities that are just like the same, the other cities and other states and other places in the country that's the same way. That, you know... The, the guy wandering off the street isn't going to happen. The way that, that we get people to actually listen to what the gospel is about, to listen to the message of hope found in Christ, is by making that human connection. And that's, that's where I think a lot of people just drop the ball. I mean, I don't want to throw it at my church, but that's I think that's where a lot of Christians today don't realize that's where their fault is. Whenever they're trying to show buddy, show somebody Christ or be Christ-like is that you can't just show them Jesus died for your sins. It says so here in the Bible. That's not what Jesus did for you. He didn't come down here and say this is what you're doing wrong. He literally took on flesh where as a holy God, that's pretty intense in and of itself. And then just so he could have it ripped off savagely just because he loved you. That's pretty personal. Like yeah. him doing that for you, for you, not for humanity. Well, he did do it for everybody, but for you specifically, that's pretty personal. And I don't think a lot of Christians do that to that extent, even though they say they're Christ-like. I know I don't do, I don't go to that point. I strive to get to that point, but I don't. So I think that's where a lot of Christians struggle. Well, I I think that's. It's our good sticking point. It's a good connection point. It's the idea, you know, there, even even in Scripture, it talks about the fact that, you know, in one passage, you'll, you'll look at the fact that, that the sheer act of creation, the sheer, 
the fact that the sun rises, that that the sky is where it is, that the earth is where it is, that the seas are where they are, that the stars hang in the heavens, this should be enough to get people to know who God is. Yep. And God still looks at people and says, how will they hear if there is not one preaching? Uh-huh. That I, I think a lot of times we take for granted the fact that that God, it's true. There's, I, I've seen it on posters and, and all this other stuff. I've heard it from the pulpit. God doesn't need us to save people. He doesn't. He's God. There's nothing that we're going to contribute to that that he can't do himself. Exactly. At the same point, he invites us to be a part of that. And I, I think if, if we kind of took that that joy, that power, that that everything that God has for us there, that idea that that God stands with us and allows us to be part of what he's doing. Oftentimes when we have no business being there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that we get to be the, the human connection. We get to reflect God to other people. Just like how, how you get to have moments where you get to, to connect with folks over games or connect with other people because of tossing frisbees. People are going to connect to God through the people that love him. Yep. And I think one of the, like, an important thing, and I've mentioned this a couple times in a blog that I'm slowly churning through, is it's more or less, it's our, it's our calling to mention Christ, I guess, not really save the person. That the Holy Spirit is going to call their spirit into action. Oh, oh yeah, God's the one who saves them. We don't do we don't do jack to save anybody. Exactly, and I, I mentioned this in my Christian group on campus multiple times that anything we offer to God is just use tampons, and it always gets the weird reaction. But it's exactly well, yeah, what you can't say something like that and not have it get a weird reaction. Get a weird reaction, but it's exactly what it is. I mean, we can't at all say that you know i did this and thus, and thus i'm saved except unless you offered your soul to christ that's really all you can do but that's all i agree completely and so i mean if there's something that we're going to take away from from this episode it's it's that idea that as we you know we do this podcast and and we do our game stuff and we're on facebook and all the different blogs and and, you know, we got stuff like MechWarrior Online is coming out, and we're going to be on that. And there's so much stuff going on on the, the online level. And as it stands, I, I, I will kind of put it out there. On, on our Facebook page, I threw out a, a challenge because I've done this before with other pages, and it works. So I, I put up a challenge on our Facebook page to get 100 likes on our Facebook page Partly because of the weird Facebook rules that say people, you know, you need to have so many people before people can find you on Facebook. Yeah. But also the fact that we're really passionate about getting community together. About kind of being the hands and feet of Jesus, even if it is as an online presence. That we want to be there to, to give that kind of human connection to folks. And a lot of times, you know, we love our community. As I said... Uh, Brett, you're part of our Facebook page. You know, you talk and, and put stuff on there all the time. Yep. Uh, I've mentioned a handful of other people that continually like email us and put stuff out on the Facebook. Um, we've had people talk about game design. We've had people talk about Doctor Who. We've had people talk about everything that we're kind of doing as far as geek stuff is concerned. And we want to foster that. So my challenge to everybody out there is to get 100 likes by the end of this calendar year. So by the new year, I want to see 100 likes out there. And I'm, I, I, I kind of want to talk to Luke about doing something special if we hit it and anything like that. But I don't want to put that out there yet because I'm still not quite sure what we're going to do. But we want to do that so that our Facebook page can be not the reason. I'm still going to talk about friendly local gaming stores for, for geekery and, and comic book conventions and going to, and, and as far as your faith goes, going to 
a local church. I will always do that above online stuff. But we kind of want to see that happen as a, to kind of support that, that our online community, we want to see that support um, what's happening in your daily life. So definitely want to put that out there. We, we want to do it. There's a reason why we were interviewing Mikey Bridges from Game Church last episode. and Which I still haven't had a chance to listen to. But Well, definitely do that. Because it's awesome. Mikey is a great guy. And what they're doing is great. We definitely want to continue that work. Um, at the same point, go out there. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Show people what you're passionate about in your geek stuff. But also make sure that that, that same passion, that same passion that you explain to people why Firefly is the greatest show ever and it shouldn't have been canceled and why Joss Whedon is the master... And D&D is the best game or the worst game in existence. Why, you know, all that stuff. Even if your geek stuff is, you know, my fantasy football team will destroy all this year. Whatever your geeky passion is, whatever that driving force is that gets you talking about this stuff all day, every day. Put that same passion towards talking about what Jesus has done in your life and in the life of those around you. And I'm positive that we're going to see something amazing happen that you're going to start seeing people make that human connection that brings them to god and if you get to be the 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 person who gets to escort somebody into the kingdom it's the coolest feeling you're ever going to have in your existence and i highly recommend it (laughs) it's true at, at this point, we usually talk about all the different ways that you can connect with us. Uh, Brett, why don't you go first? Why don't you plug the, the store one more time and then talk about your blog briefly so that we can get some traffic going that way. Um, yes. My friendly local gaming store is uh, Maplewood Hobby. It's in Maplewood, New Jersey, 1970 Springfield Ave, I think. Um, yeah, just I'm, I'll, I'll be there on the weekends. Um, but just really come in any day of the week. It's a pretty, uh, pretty relaxed store. But um, as far as that blog that I was mentioning, it's yeah, it'd be professionalverbs.wordpress.com. Yep. So that All would right. be that'd be one of the ways to kind of. I guess that's not really. It's not a way to keep in touch with me or find out how I'm doing. But that's just that's more or less my public journal. And so, I would encourage you to read that, fellow viewers, of nice. this great podcast. Um, but yeah, other than that. Um, don't friend request me because I probably will ask you who you are and then shortly delete you a week later. <laughs> it's true. I've seen it happen. This is the man who deleted his own brother. Ah, uh, still going strong. <laughs> but uh, anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, we are obviously at, at GameStoreProfits.com. We can also be found on Facebook. Uh, like us, we need, a, we need 100 people to do this, and we, I think we can do it. I know we can do it. Because there's already 60 of us on there, and, and it's a great community. We love our, our listeners. We love our folks that contribute to our Facebook page. Um, it's facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. Uh, we also have our kind of overflow blog, which is run by me. It's called Perception Check. It's perception-check.com. Uh, it's kind of our place to get all this stuff that kind of doesn't really have a place on the blog, or sometimes I do talk about stuff that after we record just because there's more to say that doesn't fit the format. Uh, you can also uh, email us at gamestoreprofits at gmail.com. If you email us, I'm the guy who answers that. And if uh, you want to listen to my other stuff, there's there's all sorts of other places to find me, tinkerstory.com. I'm on Twitter at Shadow of Cyrano. Uh, I have a huge i'm discovering i have a huge internet presence and i don't know how that happened it might be the but, steampunks uh, the steampunks might have done it yeah you know i it's i'm vicariously famous a lot when i hang out with steampunk people that'll do so, it yeah it's it's all important to hang out with people who are famous you don't have to be famous yourself you just hang out with people that are because well, like that's the thing i was vicariously famous whenever we went to uh lake champion because of that, those rules videos Yes. yes. So, I know exactly what you mean. 
So anyway, thank you so much for listening to us. This has been episode 31. Uh, send all your prayers out for Luke Navarro and the Navarro family as they seek to get back on the interwebs. Um, hopefully that's going to happen. We, we're probably not going to, we're probably going to have Brett come back one more episode yes. to, to, to cover, to cover Luke as he's trying to, to save up money to get a new computer. Uh, but hopefully we'll get Luke back just to, to rally round again. Uh, I, I kind of put it on the Facebook page. Throw some messages on there. We want to tell Luke, you know, thanks for all the hard work and, and we want you back. Uh, so definitely give him messages on there that because, you know, I, I miss my, my barbecuing buddy. Yeah, I'm just so, keeping his seat warm. <laughs> As we always end our episodes, you know, we, we want to, you know, hope you guys have some good times out there, play some great games, and uh, remember that God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>